Hello and welcome to Conversational Leadership with Jay Mann. Today we're going to discuss the four elements of conversational leadership. The four elements of conversational leadership are critical as we think about raising voice. In order to raise voice, we need to be able to have those conversational leadership moments be effective and empower the individuals that we're working with. So in order to ensure that that happens and that people feel comfortable to be able to raise their voices, we really need to focus in on what these four elements tell us and how we can leverage the key strategies in these four elements in order to ensure that people are both comfortable with and have the opportunity to raise their voice. So the four elements are intimacy, interactivity, inclusion, and intentionality. You know, in sports, they always talk about keeping your eye on the ball. Well, in this case, if you want to keep your eye on the ball with conversational leadership, all you have to do is remember the four eyes. Again, they're intimacy, interactivity, inclusion, and intentionality. Let's start with intimacy. Intimacy is critical for leaders because it allows them to build closer, stronger relationships with people and create comfort for those individuals to be able to be part of conversations. And so the way that leaders are able to really effectively um, increase their intimacy is by using three different elements. In fact, in the great article on igos.net, they look into does good leadership include intimacy? And one of the key concepts that they come to is a formula that they've developed, which is I equals T plus V plus A. I, of course, is our intimacy. T is transparency. V is vulnerability. And A is acknowledgement and affirmation. So let's look at each of those elements. First, vulnerability. A lot of times leaders are afraid to be vulnerable. They feel like showing vulnerability is showing weakness. And people often find that it's more important to appear to be strong, to be right, to be infallible. No one is infallible. No one is always right. And so we're really just giving ourselves a false sense of heightened importance when we try to place those things on ourselves. And as leaders, we're not the most important individual in the organization. In fact, we're not here to be lauded. We're here to support the efforts of others. Um, and that's where, when we get to acknowledgement, that's where that acknowledgement comes in because we should be lauding those on our team, not expecting adulation from the people who we're supporting in, in our environment, our organization. So as we look at vulnerability, when we're vulnerable, when we admit to our discomfort with certain situations or where we have concerns or areas where we might have made mistakes or we're concerned that we made mistakes, what we're modeling for people is that it's less important to be right than it is to be a learner. It's less important to always have the correct answer than it is to experiment and find out what the best methodologies and practices are. We want to open our organizations up to be available for transformative impact. We want to create an environment where we feel like we're comfortable, 
with others taking risk and we're making others comfortable with that same risk. Um, by showing vulnerability, we're saying that imperfection, innovation, engagement, and motivation are what we're looking to see maximized. And those things, particularly the acceptance of imperfection that leads to innovation, are really important in order to improve our practices over time. In order to have an iteratively improving environment, we need those elements. And engagement and motivation are absolutely critical because sort of dispassion or apathy are the things that will destroy an organization faster than anything else. So when people are engaged and motivated, they are going to be more effective. They're going to find more solutions to problems uh, and they're going to find better ways to do things. And in fact, for us in education, we have multiple layers of this. We need our leaders to be engaged and motivated. We need our teams to be engaged and motivated, and we need our students to be engaged and motivated. A teacher who's not engaged and motivated is not going to be the most effective teacher. But in that teacher's classroom, any of the students that are neither engaged nor motivated are going to be able to find high levels of success because those are critical components to being successful in any endeavor, whether it's learning or whether it's the development of tool sets and resources and lessons in order to support students in their learning, or whether it's development of a strategic plan or um, goals or an IAP. Um, without that engagement and motivation, whatever we produce is substandard. So we really want to create an environment where we're supporting those concepts. And in order to do that, vulnerability is an absolutely critical element. When we look at transparency, transparency is really a lead-in component to vulnerability. When we're not open and honest, it's hard to build strong relationships and it's impossible to be vulnerable. And in fact, in my mind, um, transparency and vulnerability together are what build trust. So when we're transparent and we're open and we're honest, and then we are in admission of our faults, failures, foibles, concerns, fears, we can build relationships with people where they can trust us because we create a sense of genuineness. Um, and it's not that we're really creating it. That makes it sound like it's artificial. But when we can come to places of high transparency and high vulnerability, um, we really are at that point being someone who is warmly engaged with others, um, who's approachable by others and is able to build stronger, more trusting relationships. Um, there's a great book uh, by Stephen R. Covey, the son of Stephen Covey, who wrote the original Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where he drills in on what he calls the speed of trust. And really, trust is one of those powerful things in an organization. And that combination of transparency and vulnerability as a leader helps you truly effectively build that trust and empowers others. Because as you model that for others, if they engage in that same methodology of strengthening relationships, then they're going to build trust with their peers, with the teams that they work with. And as trust begins to permeate an organization, it really speeds up the ability to do work together, to find solutions together. So transparency plus vulnerability, 
plus acknowledgement and affirmation, you know, this is one of the pieces we often miss in education. We are always fast to try to find solutions to things, to improve things. When we see those solutions and improvements take place, when we we get excited and we're like, oh, great, this worked. And that often is about it. And we don't take the time to, po- to poise, <laughs> to pause. Um, there's some vulnerability for you. There's a pretty solid error. We don't take a moment to be poised and pause and acknowledge others and affirm others for the great things that they've done. So, you know, you might look at this as celebration. Um, Celebration in an organization, especially an education organization, is absolutely critical uh, to be able to continue success and sort of demarcate between, you know, we were on this journey to accomplish X, we've accomplished X, let's celebrate it um, and acknowledge it and then move on. But the celebration of the success is far less important than the acknowledgement and the affirmation of the people who played a critical role in that success. So really that also helps uh, develop a stronger sense of intimacy when we take that time to stop and acknowledge and affirm. Okay, our second I is interactivity. So interactivity is absolutely critical to conversational leadership. It is impossible to be a conversational leader without interacting with others. You have to interact with others in order to have a conversation. A a one-person conversation is called talking to yourself. And while that might have its place, I know um, I sometimes in my life have found myself talking to myself, they're pretty one-sided conversations. And so if you really want to get to the core of conversational leadership. You can't do it without high levels of interactivity. Um, Interactivity is one of the elements of what the Harvard Business Review calls organizational conversation. Um, when, When you promote dialogue in your organization, what ends up happening is you foster more communication between individuals and more genuine communication. And when those communication channels are open, um, it also serves to build trust between people and to help make our conversations more effective. And there are really four ideas that can really help us be more interactive leaders. Um, And they outline these actually in a Harvard Business Review article from 2012, June of 2012, called Four Ways to Become a More Interactive Leader by Boris Groisberg and Michael Slind. And um, I probably have mispronounced their names there. But uh, the four ideas that they talk about is, number one, show your face. So um, you cannot you absolutely cannot have interactivity without being present. Now, one of the advantages that we have in our modern society is we have the ability to be present now without being physically located next to each other. So I still believe, you know, the strongest points of connection are when we can be in a room together, sitting down, having a conversation face to face. But when that's not available, We have all of our technological tools now with um, Google Meets and Zoom and the like where we can actually get into a virtual meeting with somebody and actually see each other 
and have and be sort of virtually eye to eye while we have a conversation, but we can see and we can hear each other. And while for me, that's not the gold seal standard, it is a significant improvement over not being interactive. And, you know, you've probably seen me around the district if you work at Creighton. Um, you know, one of the things that is really important to me is getting out there more and showing my face and being present and available for people to help support and to encourage that interactivity and to create opportunities for interactivity and conversation. Um, another thing is they recommend you reinvent your intranet. So, you know, we talk a lot about the internet uh, when we talk about technology and communication pathways, but most organizations have their own internal site, right, that they call their intranet, which is a place where employees can share information and have conversations. Well, we actually have that in Creighton now. With our move to Google, we have all sorts of tool sets that allow us to interact with each other. And with our up upcoming upgrades to our website, we're also going to be including some additional resources and links to um, district content and information. But we really need to leverage these tools. We have the ability to have uh, multi-person asynchronous chats, not just, you know, Gmail as a mail tool, but if you look at it, there's ways to do individual or group messages or even create conversation groups in order to be able to share information back and forth. We have, you know, Google Forms, which allows us to generate quick, short surveys and get input and feedback from people. So being able to leverage those technology tools is another way to ensure high interactivity in your organization. And then number three is my favorite, which is to cultivate conversation. You know, when you take active steps and you nurture a safe, open culture, you know, that creates open channels that leaders can use in order to ensure that people have a comfort level with coming to them and sharing their excitement, their concerns, their ideas, um, opportunities. And so by creating those conversational environments, by actually cultivating conversation as part of our organization, what it allows us to do is ensure that those conversations are actually happening and that people have comfort to be able to engage in those conversations. It ties back to intimacy you know, that comfort level is created by that formula, I equals T plus V plus A. And then the last one that they recommend is pulling the plug. And now this is going to sound very contradictory to item number two, right? We talked about technology being a tool set that can create two-way conversations, particularly for larger organizations where it's difficult for people to get together physically. But we also sometimes need to make sure that when we have those opportunities to have those in-person face-to-face conversations, that we're not distracted by the technology. What you don't really want to be doing is engaging in a deep conversation with someone while you're reading email or looking at your phone or looking at your, you know, watch that's got messages popping up on it. People are very quickly turned off and they start to question, are you really engaged in this conversation? Is this important to you or not? And I had a mentor years ago who shared with me that when you're having a conversation with someone, that needs to be your focus and you need to turn everything else off 
and block all of that out. And uh, it was one of the best lessons I ever learned. I sometimes run afoul of it because I have a tendency to lose track of time. Uh, and when I'm ignoring all those technology devices that might be trying to warn me that I need to be someplace else while I'm in the midst of a conversation, um, that can be a bit of a challenge. And, you know, for each of us, we need to find our own ways to navigate those types of challenges. But I can tell you with honesty and sincerity that one of the best things I've ever done in my life, not just from a career perspective or a leadership perspective or in trying to support and, and engage in conversational leadership, but just for warming my own heart, for filling my own bucket, for, for making my soul happy. What I find is when I'm truly deeply engaged in a conversation where I'm disconnected from the distractions of technology or, or other distractions, it allows me to really connect with people. And those connections with people are the most valuable thing in our, in our lives. Um, you know, I'm not trying to get deeply philosophical or religious in any way, shape or form, but I really do believe that if we were to think about our purpose as human beings, fundamentally it's how we connect with and impact the other human beings around us. And so being able to disconnect from technology and truly engage allows us to connect with people in a much deeper way than when we're distracted and the conversation is almost in the way of these other things that we're focused on or concerned about. So those are the four ideas that can help you be a more interactive leader, but interactivity is absolutely critical to conversational leadership. The third element is inclusion. And so it's important that we practice inclusive leadership. Um, when we think about it, when we're having conversational leadership, one of the important things is that we need to be able to understand where other people are coming from. You sometimes hear this talked about as like cultural competency, but I'm going to break it down to something more basic. I really think it's about compassion. I think compassion is fundamental to our ability to understand what other people are going through and to connect with them, not only emotionally, but be able to understand what they're trying to express to us and also to be in a position to work through concerns or issues with them to reach a place where we can determine what would meaningful action be in order to resolve this concern or to make certain that their needs are met or that they're being supported properly. Very often when we're not focused on inclusion, we will forget about compassion and empathy and we won't necessarily engage deeply with people. But when we focus on being compassionate human beings as part of the deep conversations that we engage in, then we're able to actually engage people more deeply and be more compassionate and more empathetic to um, whatever it is that's the core of the conversation that we're having at that time. Um, and so in order to ensure inclusion, there's actually a great set of seven acts that you can, it comes from the Center for Creative Leadership. They call it the seven acts of inclusion. The first act is to deepen self-awareness. The second is to foster social awareness. The third is to reveal gaps in understanding. 
The fourth is to listen to understand. Now, this fourth one may sound familiar in an earlier episode of this podcast. We talked about the seven habits of highly effective people and the concept of seek first to understand and then to be understood. So we see a lot of these key leadership ideas repeat themselves throughout. And a lot of times people will say, oh, there's all this different leadership stuff. What should I pay attention to? We pay deep attention to it. It's all interwoven throughout. So this is a place where we see that seven habits com concept come back to us um, in the seven acts of inclusion as listen to understand. Um, five is to create connections. Six is to lead with courageous vulnerability. Again, there's that vulnerability. It loops us back to the concept of intimacy. And vulnerability, again, was part of that formula of intimacy equals transparency plus vulnerability plus acknowledgement. And then the seventh one is to invest resources. So let's take a look, a brief look at each of these seven acts of inclusive leadership. First one, again, deep deepen your self-awareness. What happens when we deepen our self-awareness is we build a stronger foundation of understanding. Um, it might be simple things like asking for feedback or admitting our own mistakes and failures or reflecting on our own background or social identity. You know, you really need to know yourself before you can engage with and know others. And so being honest with ourselves is very important. And when we are vulnerable, that does help create that honest space and helps us understand our, ourselves, helps us understand ourselves better. And so this is where getting to that high level of self-awareness, I think, is really critical for effective leaders. Um, but the, one of the tricks to it, I really think, is metacognition. And so to me, in order to really deepen your self-awareness, what you need to do after you've had an interaction and you felt like it went particularly well or it went particularly poorly, you need to metacognate, you need to think about where did I go wrong? What could I have done better? What didn't feel right about this? And if there are others that are there present with you, engage them, get their point of view and perspective. Um, and really, again, this is where becoming a vulnerable leader is a huge advantage because when we can metacognate and we can see ourselves more clearly and create those high levels of self-awareness and what some of our challenges might be and what some of the lenses and filters we see the world through might be, um, we can be more effective in our communication with others. Number two, the fostering of self-awareness. Um, when we have, actually, sorry, number two is fostering social awareness. Um, when we bring our self-awareness together with social awareness, what it allows us to do is engage our emotional intelligence. Um, social awareness is really where we have a stronger sense of understanding of the social circumstances that we're engaging with someone in. Understanding another's culture, understanding another's perspective, understanding another's point of view. And really one of the best ways that we can ensure that we have an environment that can be inclusive where there can be strong social awareness is to build a culture of respect in, in an organization. That's why in Creighton, we have such a focus on um, diversity, equity, and inclusion as we really wanna create an environment 
that's safe for all people. We really want to leverage what we recognize as a strength, which is our diversity. And in order to leverage that effectively, we need to be in a position to be able to develop and foster social awareness, which can't happen effectively without that culture of respect. Number three was to reveal blind spots. So when we talk about um, our daily interactions with people, we're often going to be exposed to new information. And there are going to be times when we may realize that we don't understand where someone's coming from or what a particular issue or concern is. And, you know, sometimes our default for that is to go into a negative space and maybe make fun of something or um, just dismiss it out of hand. And in reality, it's important that we engage with others and we find people in our organization whose experiences are different from our own so that way they can help us understand what are these blind spots? What are the pieces we're missing? What are the components we don't understand? So when we have a circumstance like this, we know who our go-to people are to say, hey, I just learned about this. I don't really understand at any level of depth its impact or I don't understand it clearly. Um, can you help me understand this? Can you help me find my blind spots? Even to the extent of just empowering others to be able to point out to you when you have blind spots. I mean, those can be cultural. They can be generational. Um, you know, it can be something as simple as, you know, you're not somebody who's familiar with the latest social media tool that everybody's engaged in. And, you know, you reach out to a colleague who utilizes that tool. Like, you may not understand the cultural relevance of it or the impact that it has on society or your organization. Number four, listen to understand. At the end of the day, um, it goes beyond active listening. And what you really want to do is create a comfortable environment for people to share with you. Um, and you want to make sure that people are able to express their underlying feelings and values. Because when they're not providing the facts in connection with those underlying feelings and values, we may look at those at a very surface level and not really understand the context. And then we really need to empower and engage them to be able to share the facts plus the feelings and values attached to those. Number five is creating connections. And the key to creating connections is that in order for us to be more effective in having strong inclusion, so that way we know who we need to reach out to, you know, as we continue to include others. So when you build breadth of social connections, it makes it more likely because those connections already exist. This also ties into the speed of trust, you know, the concept that you already have these relationships established, help you get deeper into conversation faster. It helps support the concept of listening to understand because you have a stronger feeling because you, you know more, you're more socially aware of these connections that you've already established. But it's also very, very important, you know, much like you would want a um, financial portfolio for yourself. You don't want to have everything in one stock and then that stock tanks and there goes all your wealth. That variety of people, that diversity of opinion and perspective, diversity of individuals really enriches your life 
as well as your ability as a leader. And then number six is to lead courageous vulnerability. Um, and again, this is, you know, we won't delve too deep into this because we've talked a lot about vulnerability already during this particular episode. But what's really important is not only being vulnerable, but to be able to sometimes step into those places where you feel weak and do so courageously. I also think it's important to be vulnerable and be able to admit that it's a place where you feel weak. One of the things I've tried to do in my life and career that I feel has really helped me is I will very often sit with people that I feel less comfortable with or that I don't know as well. I will very often engage in activities that I know this is not an area of my strength. I'm going to do something that's outside my comfort zone. And by doing those things, it's really helped me develop a sense of it's okay to do things where you're not the best. You don't have to step into areas where you're going to be successful. It's just important that you admit those places where you are more vulnerable. And the last one or number seven here is to invest resources and in inclusion. And investing resources and in inclusion, I mean, when we talk about resources, resources are a lot of different things. We're not necessarily just talking about funding here or tools or items. In my mind, when we talk about resources that we're going to invest into inclusion, we're investing our time and our engagement. We're investing in relationships with a very diverse set of people. We're investing in relationships with a cross-section time and intentionality. On February 27th of this year, um, in their Leadership Concept Series, they provided an article on the five elements of intentionality. Leadership is to be open to randomness. Expect the unexpected. Have a comfort level either when things appear to go wrong. It's kind of... I've never been able to stay up on a surfboard, so I'm not going to say I'm going to give you a surfer's advice for not capsizing, but it, but surfing is a really good analogy. When you get out on a surfboard, you don't always know what direction the wave's going to come from, what the rip currents are going to be, like, environment you're going to be dealing with. So much in that same way as a leader, you know, we sometimes need to give ourselves over to the apparent randomness of events that occur. And so um, a lot of people try to lead based on an expectation of what a boss should be. They try to build and manifest this leader persona, this boss persona. Um, really doesn't fit well with, with vulnerability, but it doesn't fit well with the intentionality that can come in the form of randomness. So um, one of the most meaningful things we can do with working with our teams is that while we need to be open to that randomness and we need to have a comfort level to sort of, you know, go with the shift and ebb of whatever reality is, and we can take advantage of opportunities to make people feel special by doing the unexpected. So it might be something like, you know, bringing donuts into to work or, um, knowing what someone's favorite cup of coffee is and showing up and just handing them a cup of coffee or uh, providing an unexpected presence. It can be as simple as that ability to just sort of seize on an opportunity when you know somebody might need you there or might need a little pick-me-up or, or uh, really expected. 
um, is, is a really powerful tool set. Um, at odds with randomness is really making certain that all of the details are in place um, in order to be able to create sort of this positive random experience for them. And so that might be something sim as simple as knowing what someone might be interested in or needing, knowing that in advance and planning ahead for it. You want to be in a place where, where someone that you're interacting with and to acknowledge them in this way feels that you really genuinely are intentionally doing it because you are just looking to brighten their day or do something positive for them. Um, it's also important for us as we work on our intentionality to be studious. And so this is really um, one of my favorite areas of leadership development. This is where we look at things like behavioral profiles. Um, there's a lot of them out there. There's the DISC, the Myers-Briggs, uh, five love languages, five voices. My favorite is Gallup Strengths. And as we look at those, um, they are tool sets that can help leaders know their people better. Um, it's almost like a cheat sheet to the wiring of the individual. So um, one of the things I love about Gallup Strengths is it not only tells you how people like to work, but it tells you a lot about their lens on the world, how they see things, um, how they tend to understand things. And you know, we can look at things like Gallup Strengths as a way to be able to sort of understand people more deeply and by understanding them more deeply, um, then when we're trying to appreciate or acknowledge them, we can do so more effectively. Uh, in addition to that, you know, if we're really engaged in all the elements of conversational leadership and we're having these deep conversations with people, we will ultimately get to know them better and knowing them better is going to really fulfill the studious requirement for intentionality because we're going to have those deeper relationships where we know what might be appropriate things to do to show people that they are appreciated. And then the last one is being thoughtful. Um, once we're studious and we sort of understand where people are coming from, um, our intentionality can really be powered up through thoughtfulness. So, you know, when we, when we bring that random drink, like when we know, you know, this person likes a cup of coffee with no cream, but two sugars, or when we know, oh, this person doesn't like coffee, but they really would appreciate an iced tea. Um, and, and we're able to be thoughtful and think about, hey, this would be a day this person could really use a pick me up. I'm going to bring this for this person. Or, um, it might not even be, giving something like a beverage or bringing in a snack or anything like that. It might just be stopping by and checking in on a person. We know they're going through something tough in their life right now, or we know, you know, their child, um, you know, broke an arm the other week. Um, taking that time to pause and intentionally check in with folks and just engage them in the things that are their own interests and concerns is certainly another way um, that we can be certain to acknowledge them. Again, though, if we're going to be thoughtful and we're going to engage them in that way, studious is important because we need to know that they're comfortable being engaged in that way. If we know something's going on in their life and we don't know that they absolutely do not want to talk about it with us, and then we engage them with that conversation, we're, we're taking steps backwards. You know, we talked about seven habits in that emotional bank account the other week. Um, and in that emotional bank account, 
for every withdrawal, it takes like five deposits to really catch that up. So when we make a misstep and we engage someone in a way that they're not comfortable with, it takes a lot more effort to recover from that. So by being studious, by having those pure motives, by tightly planning things out when we show up to have this random thoughtful moment with them, that's how we make that moment powerful and positive, And we make it a deposit into that emotional bank account as we continue to build the relationship with them. And of course, we want to build that relationship throughout that network we talked about earlier, that diverse network of individuals. So that way we're creating an inclusive environment with a broad range of people with all different perspectives where we can have deep conversations steeped in context and leverage those deep context laden conversations to really come to understand each other and understand the challenges we face and how we can work together to overcome those challenges and how we as leaders can support people in order to make certain that they feel comfortable, and that they feel appreciated and that they're able to both feel and be successful in our organization. So the four elements of conversational leadership in my mind are absolutely critical um, to a leader being effective for an organization. And we're all leaders. Don't forget, leadership comes from within. So any day with any group of people you're working with, you are always one of the leaders at the table and leveraging the four elements of conversational leadership will help you be a more effective leader and create more success for yourself and the team that you're working with. Thank you for taking the time to listen today and really excited to have some deeper conversations with you soon about raising voice. Thanks again and take care.